What you heard is a scene I wrote many years ago for a play. A very bad play. A very bad play indeed. Saved only by your talent and beauty, Samantha. A play? You mean it was all a joke? Well, let's call it a performance. But it sounded so real. Tricks of the trade, my dear, tricks of the trade. Give the people what they want to believe in. It's part of our profession. Welcome to Hello, This is the Doomed Show. I am Richard. I am Brad. Folks, this is the one true family ties episode with Urkel. We're going to talk about Kiefer Sutherland. We're going to talk about the kinks. And we're going to get into the special guest appearance by Raymond Burr 12 times. He did the bounce commercials with that little bear. And then he called up Mary Lou Retton and said, I want to speak to Mary Lou Henner. Sorry, your names are next to each other in my book. Miss America, both of them. Mr. America is me. I thought we were going to talk about Warrant this week. <laughs> we have to we have to break it up. We can't talk about Warrant every time, but every other time. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you agree to those terms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I surrender. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Folks, for real Zingtons, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Curtains from 1983. Yeah, we are. A movie so good, the director said, take my name off of it. Thank you. Please. <laughs> he begged them. <laughs> Don't tell anybody about my involvement. No, I would be greatly appreciative if you didn't. So this is uh, by, I believe this is pronounced, Richard Chipka. Chipka. No relation to me. No, but he wishes. Everyone does. Uh, but yeah, he is a French-Canadian man, I believe. And he seems to have directed lots of stuff I ain't never heard of. <laughs> like 10-7, L'Affaire Kafka. And Coyote. And uh, La Incomparable, Mademoiselle C. Are those pornos? Did he make some sexy movies? Oh, they're comedies. Oh, they look annoying. Oh, boy. Sexy comedies? I want to punch this DVD in the face. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
like it sort of looks like the lady from uh, Seinfeld, but if she stuck her finger in a light socket, but not in a fun way. In a I want to punch this. Not her. I don't want to punch her in the face. Just just any artwork that she has her face on. Right. This is an this is an actress named Marie Chantal Perron, and uh, she needs to fire her publicist. Boy. <laughs> I'm mad as hell, and I'm not taking it anymore. <laughs> but more importantly, uh, this was written by uh, Richard Guzza, Guzza Jr. Is he related to you? Oh, my God. So many dicks. Oh, did I say Richard? I meant Robert. I'm sorry. Oh. Everything's dicks to me. I'm glad we recorded me saying that. Um, this is the guy who freaking wrote the story for Prom Night, one of my favorite uh, slashers. Brad, do you even like Prom Night? I like the original prom night. I didn't actually have my own prom night, which is probably why I'm very bitter towards the remake of prom night. <laughs> Dude, I know people who went to their prom. Oh, wait. No, I don't. They don't talk to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so he made two. He, he wrote uh, two horror movies. He wrote, uh, you know, Prom Night, our, one of our faves, and he wrote Curtains. And then he wrote some Models, Inc. and some Melrose Place and some General Hospital. Wow. Oh, my God, he wrote a lot of General Hospital. Oh, whoa, whoa. Like 1,600 episodes. (laughs) Nice work if you can get it. I reckon. We know where to find him. Uh, But, oh, yeah, I'm going to drop this beautiful trailer. This has a fantastic trailer in it. I love the trailer for this movie. So, here it is. Behind every curtain, someone is waiting. Someone is watching. Someone is hiding. What waits behind the curtains is exciting, frightening, sensual, terrifying, and bizarre. Curtains reveal what you expect and what you don't. Curtains, the ultimate nightmare. Uh, I'm going to read the back of the VHS I don't own because um, it's from Vestron Video. And it says, This exquisitely horrifying tale features John Vernon of Chained Heat as a director and Samantha Egger, the collector, as a film star in a clash of wills that spells curtains for a group of aspiring actresses. The women are gathered for an unusual weekend Casting call at the decent mansion. A oh, decent? The decadent mansion. A <laughs> decent mansion. It's, it's fine. This mansion is fine. Of director John Stryker, who is searching for the perfect actress to play Mad Audra, the killer plant, from that movie with Martin Short, called the movie with Dan Aykroyd, where he plays a dentist. Um... Oh my god, what's that movie called? Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. (laughs) 
His last star, Samantha Sherwood, was so determined to live the part. She had Stryker commit her to an insane asylum. I'm doing like five voices, I'm sorry. Where he left her. When she learns of the casting call, she gets out, determined to pay Stryker back and keep all the coveted... Oh, keep the coveted role from the other contenders. This is way too long, folks. I'm sorry. As each of the women meet death, <laughs> heralded by a sad-eyed child's doll and a vicious killer in a fright mask, mystery mounts to a gripping conclusion, fabulous horror, heady eroticism, and a first-rate cast make curtains a superior thriller with a startling dramatic twist. Man. I mean, do we even need to talk about it now? I'm sorry. God, I, I really thought I had it, but then I didn't. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and say this. This movie's reputation among some people is that it's one cool scene and then the rest of it's really boring. Mm-hmm. Who says that? Internet person I read years ago that I interpret Shh. I interpret as representing more than one person. Pishtar. Pishtar. Or Ishtar. Ishtar. We bought that on Blu-ray because we bought... Um, Elaine May's first film. Right. And uh, A New Leaf, which was very, very good. And then Elizabeth bought a book on Elaine May because she really enjoyed it. And then we bought all of Elaine May's films, which are, like, there's like three of them. So she was going to read the book and then we were going to have a Elaine Maython. And they, a lot of people say Ishtar is not nearly as bad as the jokes for years made it seem to be. Yes. My friend at work, um, he loves Ishtar. We're going to find out. He saw it when it opened, and he never understood the hate at all. He's like, it's great. And all the songs, apparently, are, like, incredible. Well, we're going we're gonna to watch it. You're, you're going to be the uh, the guinea pig. You're gonna be the, the Doom Show's official uh, animal experimentationer, meaning you're the animal. I'm the animal and the experimenter. But you know what? We're going we're gonna to talk about how we feel about this film at the end. I just want to... You know, talk briefly about how good I like stuff. Boom. Mm -hmm. I did it. <laughs> you said it. I mean, what else can be said? <laughs> then that, that mess I just let out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even see it now. <laughs> it's gone. It's out of, it's out of sight. The key thing is the Save My Soul song when there's a big skate sequence. is incredible. Uh, but this is uh, a spoiler, spoiler, spoiler episode. So if you haven't seen Curtains, go watch it first. We'll wait. We'll wait right here while we finish spoiling it for you. Uh, this is, according to the, uh, the beautiful uh, opening titles here, this is a Jensen Farley Pictures Incorporated. Which um, immediately made me think of Matt Farley, even though he has nothing to do with this film. No. Although they might have covered it at some point in their books. Yeah, in the uh, Shock Marathons books. That's certainly possible. Yeah. But who the frick is Jensen Farley? I don't know. I thought of Chris Farley first. Oh, see? There you go. Gone too soon, people. Uh, but of course, The Simpsons, uh, Marge and Homer... A.K.A. Mm -hmm. Peter and Richard Simpson, uh, our prom night people, are here to produce this thing, which 
Ah, uh, I, I, we should do a super episode on prom night. I'm down with that. We did it. It's one of my favorite episodes. It's it's on par. Oh. It's on par with our excellent SF Brown Rig episode. Yeah, I believe it's in what we like to call the archives. Yes, it's in the archives, but it's also on YouTube on the Doomed Show Classics playlist. That's uh, a subject of one of our new um, segments later. Asked me today, is your show on YouTube? And I said, the classics are, which means all of them. Oh, yes. Of course, um, our pal... Uh, Bo Ransdell made it so that uh, all of our Legion podcast episodes, when they get published, they also go to YouTube. So, really, there's a lot of Doom Show on YouTube. So, folks might be finding us with with that. So, thank you, folks. Welcome if you found us that way. Yeah, that's good work on Bo's part. Yeah, we're also so sorry that you found us. <laughs> well, I mean. Somebody told me today that I've never listened to a podcast, but I'm going to listen to yours. And I said, that is a terrible decision. You are screwed because we're almost at 12 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're... Hello, this is the preamble to the show. <laughs> if, if you've turned... If, if, you, if you've tuned in for curtains, just wait. <laughs> Ooh, I got tears. I got tears. This is like the uh, this is like the, the Al Capone's vault of fucking podcasts. Dude. It really is. Oh my These god! These two guys said they were going to talk about curtains, but then they didn't. <laughs> two hours with no Ooh. curtains. No curtains. I'm just a D. Oh, I'm boy. just a DIYer looking for tips. That's yeah. uh, Home Improvement Season 7. Ooh, it really is. <laughs> oh, I about choked to death. All right. Uh, this is a also a Simcom Limited uh, production. Simcom, of course, Prom Night, Prom Night 2, uh, Jack's Back, and uh, something called Mania, colon, The Intruder, which is a Canadian horror anthology film from 1986. Very curious to see that. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Uh, but we got uh, freaking Samantha Egar, our pal, from the very first movie we ever covered on Hello, This is the Doom Show, episode number one. That's right, episode one. An episode I cannot listen to. I'm sure I couldn't. My voice is like six octaves higher, and I am utterly terrified. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, D The Dead Are Alive. One of my, not one of my, just my favorite Giallo of all time, man. Amazing. It's a great movie. It finally knocked uh, Seven Bloodstained Orchids off of its throne after years and years and years. I did not know that. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I revealed that in my... Uh, solo show giallo talking episode recently well semi-recently amazing sometime at the end of last year i posted that but anyway <clears throat> but yeah samantha Egar. Uh, i wrote in my notes y'all she emoting she's on a little stage a little tiny stage giving a little bit of monologue action and it's uh it's going great but then striker shows up this is john vernon one of my favorite uh i'm gonna say this and folks don't take this the wrong way I mean this with love. One of my favorite ugly dude actors. Mm. He is not conventionally handsome. 
he looks like he's been left out in the sun too long, like but like a food way. Not he's not like sunburnt. Like he looks like spoiled food face. Uh huh. But I don't. I mean that with love. With love. But yes, character actor, two hundred and nine credits. My God. It's got a great voice. A wonderful voice. Very commanding voice. One of those voices that, if he were to sneak up on you and shout suddenly in a quiet room you would crap your pants and you'd thank you him would. for the experience because you were a little bound up. Little oh my God. He was Mr. Big and I'm going to get you sucker. <laughs> oh yeah, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I love him. I wish he was still alive. I think he, Oh yeah. He's been gone for years. 2005. Oh man. But Oh yes. A Canadian. I had no idea. That makes sense with this production. It really does. Uh, but striker, Stryker's a director, and he's a very um, uh, snooty, patootie, uh, artsy, and clearly the power of being a director has gone to his head because he's being very mean to Samantha Egger. Also, apparently, according to the trivia, he's modeled after Klaus Kinski, this character. Yeah, I think Klaus was originally going to play that character. Wow. The only thing more exciting than Klaus Kinski showing up is him not showing up, and then someone else acting like him. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. She is trying to audition for Audra, which we're going to find out later that she has the part, but she doesn't has the part. Mm-hmm. It's confusing as hell because they go to see someone named Dr. Pendleton, and uh, this this psychiatrist is listening to her, and he's complimenting her on being so calm and the gist of this conversation is that she's committing herself to his frickin' asylum. And everything's going swell as can be until the doctor's like, oh, don't worry, you'll be back on the stage in no time. Or back in front of the movie cameras in no time. And that's when Stryker, the big fancy director, is like, oh, she's done. And that's when she grabs a letter opener and tries to murder Stryker. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, they put her in a straitjacket, and Stryker asks, let me just talk to her alone for a few minutes before you take her away. So as soon as they're alone in the room, they have a good lull about it. Hi, 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 hi. It was all a game, this little... Uh, charade. Yes, it's a charade. <laughs> she wants to be committed, and uh, yeah, they're dumb. But here's the thing. This sets up something in this movie that I love. Don't believe anything you see. It's all going to be like, is it real? Is it not real? Is this just another visit from the Amway salesman? Could be. Could be. When someone wants to tell you about Amway, listen and get the whole story. With the world of Amway, you can do it too. So now she's in the asylum for research. And uh, I wrote in my notes that Asylum plus creepy music plus lighting indicates not good. Right. Uh, and speaking of music, we got Paul Zaza back in the all up in here. Yeah, we do. Canadian. I wonder what movie he did. Oh, Prom Night again. All the Prom Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a great score. And uh, so yeah, she's in, she's in with the inmates and she's having so much fun. One of them has a little tickle party. Um, and this, this older lady is tickling her. And then all of a sudden the tickle party goes on too long. And then Samantha Eggard's like, I am in trouble. 
Uh huh. Brad, are you ticklish? Yes, but I can turn it off. I can turn it off. Wow, what a skill! I am nightmarishly ticklish. I can't. It's uh, it takes a lot of willpower, but Dude. I can turn it turn it off. I have none. I have none. Even like. Um, I tried to have like a body massage once and everything was hunky dory until they got to my legs and feet. And I begged the lady to cut it out because she was determined to get through my ticklish phase and get down to like the muscles in my feet. And I kind of almost inadvertently kicked her in the face. And I just said, please, it's not going to work. And she didn't believe me and tried again. And we went through this whole spiel. And I'm like, look, I'm getting more stressed out than I was before you started. Uh And so she gave up. She was very nice. She gave up on my feet. That's a long story that no one needed to know. (laughs) I needed to know it. Uh, And if I needed to know it, so did everyone else. Okay. That's very kind of you. (laughs) You're welcome. It's true. Uh, my favorite scene from all this uh, beautiful uh, asylum footage here is that uh, she's watching herself on TV one night. Like she's genuinely surprised in the little common room uh, with all the other patients that she's on TV. And she's like, huh, look at that. I'm on TV. Then one of the patients looks at her, looks at the TV, looks at her, and then starts laughing at her because I guess um, they think it's funny that she's entered their world like they didn't see her climb out of the little box but it's like they all just laugh at her and it's so good and it could be anything it could Uh mean anything because these people are in insane right um she has a roommate who suffers from night terrors and they give her um a lot of therapy and they give her a lot of um nice drugs to calm her down and pretty soon she's ready to get out of there oh no wait they give her a lobotomy (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Folks, if you want to have fun, and I mean existential crisis fun, go read about the story of the guy who gave lobotomies, that doctor, and his career. Um, You'll have nightmares. That's great. Yeah. Or uh, read about Rosemary Kennedy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. These are fun stories. Let's stick with horror movies because they're more fun. Right. So meanwhile, um, outside of the asylum, we get to meet Patty, played by Lynn Griffin. And man, oh man, this caused me so much confusion. Brad. I know what you're going to say. Who the hell was I thinking of? Because Lynn Griffin, uh, she's a very funny, very vivacious actress. She's still working uh, to this day. But she was, she had a small part in Black Christmas. She did. She's uh, she's like the first victim in Black Christmas. But you, you thought about her in To All a Good Night. Yes, that's not her. No, but it it sure does seem like her. Yes, that's exactly what I did. Um, so folks, I knew To All a Good Night, which uh, check out the uh, Simon episode of that one because that is one of my favorite freaking slashers of I mean, obviously it might be my current favorite christmas slasher i'm not totally sure it's way up there but i am thinking of linda gentile sounds right anyway this actress never worked again but her performance as this goofy fun gal who's a bit of a flighty nutcase uh-huh. she's so much like 
maybe she was doing an impression of Lynn Griffin. Maybe they knew each other and she loved her or something. But so Lynn Griffin, they're very similar. She's Patty, the comedian, and she's giving a little bit. Uh, she's doing a, a fun joke about doing anything to get into the movies, and I do mean anything. But uh, yeah, Lynn Griffin. The only thing I've seen her in, other than this and Black Christmas, is um, Strange Brew, the uh, the SCTV Bob and Doug McKenzie movie, uh-huh. which is so much better than their bits on SCTV. The most lame. Sorry, SCTV fans. I know you're not listening. For me, the most lame bits on SCTV, aside from. Uh, the horrible racist uh, Chinese stereotypes they were still doing in the late or mid to late eighties. Oh my God is Baba Doug McKenzie. Their show is so lame. Somehow that translates to a freaking awesome fun movie, which I highly recommend strange brew. Duly noted, which was the same year as this. <laughs> Just nuts. Wow. Uh, next we meet uh Brooke, the British gal. She is, a, a British actress, and I don't... She's played by Linda Thorson. Yes, and I don't know who Linda Thorson is. Tell me more, because honestly, her... Uh, oh, I do know. Oh, wow. Thank you, IMDb. Um, her perm in this is so bad that I want to cry for uh-huh. her. But Brad, yes. tell me more about Linda Thorson. Linda Thorson took over Diana Riggs' spot. as Well, not as Emma Peel, but when... Diane Rigg left the Avengers. Ooh. Linda Thorson took her place as uh, Steed's confidant. Yes. So that's that's what what I know. Uh, she played Tara King. I have not seen any of the Tara King episodes. Mm-mm, me neither. She looks cool as hell though in that role. Yeah. She uh, she was an episode of uh, Thriller. Uh, she was in. She played a Cardassian in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh, nice. Uh, she's been TV. She was oh in the, yeah a stage adaptation of Noises Off, which is a particular favorite of both of us oh boy, in our yes. respective families. Absolutely. But no, it was very interesting to see her in this. Uh, she is um, very much a caricature of the diva type. That's uh, you know, she's had some acclaim and she's been working forever and she has no confidence and she's just a big mess emotionally and her hilariously uh, gay stereotype manager is very fun. He's on the phone with her and he's just like, darling, you're crazy. Yeah. Jonathan Stryker said that there was only one actress in the world who would consider for Audra. You, cuckoo head. He said that about me? Yes, of course he did. Well, not in so many words. That was general gist of the thing. But I thought Samantha Sherwood was playing Audra. Samantha Sherwood? Health problems. You're the one. Meanwhile, we see uh, Samantha has a mystery friend. Samantha has a, a pal that has helped her escape from the insane asylum. And I wrote in my notes, she done scaped. So apostrophe escaped yes uh-huh. uh next we have a blonde who i kind of never get her name this blonde character uh amanda or tara she doesn't make it to the party but she has a very important scene where um she's got 
a lover. I call him Pantyhose Man. Pantyhose Man. She's taking a bath. She's getting ready for bed. He is taking this really obscenely long time to put on his pantyhose on his head and then sneak in to um to attack her. And this is the only point of the movie I am like kind of checked out. This is like uh-huh. they really were milking this for some running time of the dichotomy of her getting ready for bed and him skulking around in her, her yard. It's not great. Uh-huh. But no. if that's the worst thing I can say about this movie, not too shabby. But they're a fun couple, Brad. They're fun. This is what she likes. She likes rape fantasies. Apparently. I thought she was doing this to prepare for a role. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is just their play? Yikes. Yeah, no good. Folks, I'm not judging, but I am harshly judging. (laughs) I'm definitely judging. (laughs) He's like... Oh, um, I could be the pizza man next time. And she's like, nah, the pepperoni gets stuck to my ass. Ugh. Pretend like you're going to write me instead. Uh, yes, put your pepperoni on my slice. Sorry. I'm glad I, I said that out loud. You did. Lietta is shocked. She's like, ah. Lietta did not care for that. I would love to know. Okay, so that was Amanda. That's Amanda played by Deborah Burgess. Uh, Burgess Meredith's granddaughter. Ooh. No, she was no. she was in Silent Witness: Colon What a Child Saw, and she played newscaster, like a small saw, <laughs> like a little plastic one. Well, okay, just so they can feel like young DIYers, but really they're DIY bother. <laughs> yeah, come on. She has a terrifying doll that she keeps by her bedside. Uh-huh. And some of the posters have really uh, played up this doll. Uh, there's a poster for this movie that straight up has the doll with a knife killing someone. It's so good. Uh, but this is clearly cu- custom made. Maybe it was a regular doll. They did something to the face because, man, it's, it is scowling. Like, it looks like it just tasted something profoundly sour. <laughs> Somebody just farted. Yeah. <laughs> As soon as Lietta saw it in the movie, she went, nope, that's not going to be by the bed. <laughs> uh-uh. Next thing you know, she, as, as Amanda person, is driving in the rain. She's headed to this this retreat to go uh, meet Stryker and all this bullshit. Uh, but she's on this this like long, windy road with no other cars. And she slams on the brakes because there's a little girl in the road, which, um, as we all know, gun it. When you see a child, run. Get out of there. Or drive over. Run them over. (laughs) Yes, run them over. Uh, So she stops, and it's this dolly. The dolly grabs her and holds her, and she's bleeding because the doll is, like, latching onto her. Someone jumps into her own car and runs her down with it. But she wakes up from a nightmare. This is a nightmare, Brad. But she's not alone in the house because someone in the most creepiest, hard-to-look-at mask of a witch face or crone or something stabs her to death. This mask is nuts. And it is so freaking cool. It's very iconic. Yes. Um, Then we see another actress, and she's just walking to the house. She doesn't have the luxury of a car that someone could steal and run her over with. Um, she's walking to the house, and I can't remember which one this is. Um, if this is the skater girl, 
Uh, she said, see you later, girl, or one of the other ones. I get a little mixed up with these characters. <laughs> Probably because I haven't seen this in like 14 years. <laughs> yeah. When we were talking about doing this episode, folks, Brad's like, pick something you're familiar with. Let's do it. Let's pick one of your favorites. I'm like, all right, curtains. And you're like, okay, curtains it is. And I'm like, also, I didn't follow what you said. I picked something I've seen once before. <laughs> yeah. I knew I liked it. But I had only seen it millions of years ago. Sure. Folks, I'm a rebel without a cause. But this actress is walking and she's mum- uh, mumbling to herself, I am Audra. I am Audra. I am not Audra. I am Audra. And then she's like, I am not Audra. <laughs> I don't know if she knows she's going to get it. Um, me- meanwhile, Patty's at the gas station, uh, gassing up the car, can't find her wallet. And as she's bending over, looking to get her wallet, a 10-year-old kid who runs this gas station all alone, presumably, is checking out her ass and offers to let her work off her bill. And it is not nice. It's very creepy, this kid. But because she's a comedian, she turns it into a joke. She says, sorry, buddy, uh, I'm into older guys, like 14 or 15. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Uh, so she finally makes it to the house and we have the gathering of the ladies and uh, the ladies are sitting around a table, soft lit, classic Hollywood looking scene, which apparently is what the director asked the DP to do to make this movie look real classy and uh, he accomplishment. Everyone's beautiful. Everyone's soft lit or um, soft focus and just pretty. And they're discussing what they do to get this part they would uh, kill for it. They, <laughs> Patty says she'd uh, put her mother into slavery, but then she's like, mm. also, I'd go down on him. <laughs> yeah, well. Which, the way she says it, it's like, you could tell that she wasn't sure if that was going to fly in 1983. Like, that's like, like the, it seems like a risque thing for the 80s to say. Mm-hmm. It really does. Whereas now, that's how you say hello to people. It's a different world now. Um, and then Stryker walks in. He's like, hey, well, maybe you won't have to blow me. It's very cute. Uh, but then uh, freaking Peter Murphy of Bajas shows up. <laughs> Dude, I forgot because why would I remember one of the greatest character actors, one of the most beautiful Canadians to ever growl in a movie, Michael Wincott shows up. Who is he supposed to be? Is he supposed to be Stryker's son? I'm not sure. I have no idea. The first time I ever saw Michael Wincott was I was watching a little movie I love very much uh, called Romeo is Bleeding mm-hmm. uh, from 1993 with good old uh, uh, Gary Oldman and um, Lena Olin. Oh, my God. I love that movie. This like when you're 17. Romeo is Bleeding is the greatest movie of all time. Right. I don't know how I'd feel about it in my 40s. Like, <laughs> it's different. Eh, I'll try it. I'll watch it again. I think it's it takes itself very seriously. Very seriously. Uh, but he was also in The Crow, which we watch all the time because we're, we're secret uh-huh. goth people. Um, I just adore him. And he is very attractive in this movie. And I am um, uh-huh. I'm into it. I'm into his look. Yes. Because he looks goth as hell. But he's not the only freaking uh, special guest at this party. Samantha 
our friend freshly escaped from the asylum. She's not even supposed to be there, but she is all up in this mansion or house. We cut to the fun in the hot tub. Um, let's talk about our friend from uh, freaking uh, New Year's Evil, dude. Please do. I believe this is Sandy Curry. Am I mixing up? No, this is Sandy Curry. I had no clue she was in this until this viewing because her look is totally different. The only thing that got me was when she talks, she's a very peculiar or just unique jawline and teeth that are just different from any other actress I can think of. And so she was instantly recognizable, but placing her took me several minutes, but she was Mitchy in New Year's Evil. Really? Oh God, I keep saying New Year's Evil. I'm such a turd. Terror Train. Oh my God. Can you tell we watch Terror Train and New Year's Evil every New Year's Eve and I'm mixing them up in my brain? Only the titles. Only the titles. It happens. New Year's Evil is very different. (laughs) From Hell, New Year's Evil is just different from like every other slasher I've ever seen. It really is. But anyway, so she's Mitchy from Terror Train and I love her. Um, she's a tad underdeveloped in this movie. Physically, she's developed. Fine. Yeah, no problem. Hey, hey, yo. Uh, but yeah, her character is just one of the gals and she doesn't really stick out. Apparently she's supposed to be a, a swimsuit model or a playboy model who's going for this part. So you got a comedian, you've got a centerfold, you've got, um, a, a classically trained British actress You've got an ice skater (laughs) and then a couple other girls, (laughs) Uh, but she's having fun in the hot tub with uh, this character named Matthew, who's played by Michael Wincott. Um, And they're just basically screwing in a hot tub, which is folks, why you never, ever get in a hot tub. Never. And if you have to, because you're schmoozing, you're trying to like close a deal, shower afterwards. Right. Twice. At least twice. We have an argument between Samantha and uh, Stryker where she's like, dude, I bought you the rights to Audra. I bought you this film, the the film rights, so you could do it starring me. And now you're auditioning all these girls in the creepiest way possible. And just like, also, thank you for ditching me in an asylum for freaking years. Mm. Four months. And then we have the weirdest scene in the movie where uh, our pal Patty, the comedian, is putting on a show with some stuffed animals. And you think she's alone. She's she's making another um, oral sex joke with a snake plush animal and a dog plush animal. And they're having this silly conversation. And then our ice skater gal is spying on her and then pushes the door open. And Brooke, the British gal, is just watching this unfold. <laughs> Like, oh, no, let her finish. I want to see where this freaking play is going. It's hilarious. It is so weird. It is so strange. But Brooke is very serious about this part. She's very desperate to get this part. She feels like she's losing it. And she just needs this Audra bit to revitalize her career. <clears throat> then Christy hears the two, uh, Samantha and Stryker, arguing And they're getting very, very heated. And then they notice that someone's spying on them. And when they open the door, they pretend they weren't fighting. They pretend they were doing a play. And that's when we see 
the black-gloved killers sharpening their hand scythe. Nice. Dude, this movie's one bottle of J&B away from being a freaking giallo. It really is. But also, you could use a little... It, it needs a little bit more giallo stuff in it. But, you know, hey, who am I to complain? It's on some lists. Is it? Yep. Oh my god, that's so funny. I was like, I don't need to watch this for my book. Now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Maybe. People, stop tagging movies as giallos. You're gonna kill me. You're gonna kill me. Yeah. Bad boys too. <laughs> Electric Stabby Lou. Stabby Lou. My book is gonna be 7,000 pages long. <laughs> it, yeah, it's never gonna be over. <laughs> God bless America. This is when Christy makes a very, very bad tactical error. She decides to sleep with Stryker. Ugh. Yikes. She is literally embracing an old bag of food, which is the actor known as John Vernon. I say that with love, folks. Come on, it's funny. I'm disgusting. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is this is Leslie Donaldson, and we have seen her before, boy. We certainly have. I love this actress. Yes, you and me both. Whew, she's in Happy Birthday to Me. She is so hot in Happy Birthday to Me. Dude, it's unbelievable. I'm just going to say it. I've said it. She, <laughs> uh, she's in a movie that I think we both need to revisit because I my first impression of it was very negative. But I have a feeling coming back to it will be just fine called Funeral Home from 1980. Mm -hmm. Not to be confused with... Mm-hmm. Mausoleum or the other 25 movies with similar titles. Mortuary or an actual funeral home. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, um, Miss Funeral Director, are you Leslie Donaldson? Maybe. Uh, she was also in something called Deadly Eyes, which is a, a killer rat movie, which I don't think I've seen. I haven't. But almost every... Oh my god, dude, this is so funny. You know how uh like IMDB is kind of user created? <laughs> yeah, kinda. <laughs> and they go ahead and upload whatever screenshots from the movie they want. Well, somebody just posted pictures of all the actresses in various states of undress on IMDB. <laughs> wow. It's shameless. It's as shameless as Jackass Forever in theaters now. No, thank you. Ah, big no thank you. Uh, what is this? So, this is based on the James Herbert Rats novels. Which I'm reading a James Herbert novel right now. That's right. You're reading your first James Herbert. You never forget your first unless you're me and you've never read any. Well, but if you do read one in the future, then you will remember it. I'm just going through the keywords of Deadly Eyes because we have time, apparently. Um, I'm looking to make sure no real rats were hurt in the making of the film. Sure. That is my favorite kind of keyword, people, because, man, alive, I do not want to see some real animal violence in a movie. No. So, no. I'll be watching Deadly Eyes 1982, mainly because all the actresses are utterly gorgeous and in their underwear the whole movie, according to IMDb. I don't know. The rat population of the world is estimated to be 108 billion, 24 times the human population. Deadly Eyes. <laughs> But yeah, she's the skater. She's she's going for that Olympic gold, but she wants to also act. Um, she does not look pleased that she made the horrible mistake of 
uh, getting stricken by Stryker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, she decides to skate away her troubles by going skating to a real sick jam, bro. Jam, bro. But this sounds like AM gold rock that is almost good. But then you're kind of... The, the, I have the subtitles on, and the lyrics convince me is not good. No. <laughs> it's fucking hideous. Let's see. Burton Cummings, which is going to get me some porno hits. Uh, Shillelagh. I don't know how to spell that. I just read it. Music Company. This is fun. So, Shillelagh Music Company. Or Music Lately. I think it was more than one Shillelagh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but they put out stuff like the Guess Who and Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> wow. But yeah, this, this Burton Cummings guy wrote a lot of songs. He wrote No Sugar Tonight. No Sugar Tonight? And he wrote Laughing. I don't remember that one. No, no one, no one remembers Laughing. But she's skating like a fiend. And we notice that Leslie Donaldson has a scratch on her chin because instead of using a stunt double... Because she could actually skate. Uh, so they said, oh, yeah, dude, you skate your scenes. Then she fell on her face while filming this. And they had to pull in an actual skater to come in and skate. So you can tell she had a little boo-boo. I mean, anyone who can skate at all is better than I am at skating. <laughs> I know what would happen if I tried to skate. I would be calling you from the hospital with a uh, Guinness Book of World Records setting uh, groin pull. Like, <laughs> yeah, boy. We actually found his groin in the next state. <laughs> wow. And, dude, I, I know everyone out there is familiar with my groin. <laughs> anyway, the tape stops, and I say, oh, thank God. And apparently the doll hates the song, too, because buried in the snow are the batteries... From this tape player and the doll. So the doll said, turn this shit off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, she unburies the creepy doll. And that's when there's someone coming to get her slow-mo style. And it is our signature scene of curtains. Although I think this has one more signature scene to it. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a couple more. All right. But no, this is the big scene that everyone remembers. It's very stylish agonizingly slow slow motion as our killer in the creepy mask is coming to get the skater girl she said i'll see you later girl (laughs) boy oh boy uh she gets stabbed and then runs away but then she of course gets gotten by the the killer they're teaching a class um or or, uh strikers giving some kind of a workshop class about this audra bullshit and someone, he notices that, you know, or he says that Christy left. He says that Christy just went home. And he's like, now there are four. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, of course, Samantha crashes this. Samantha keeps making entrances in this movie like freaking Joan uh, Collins. And, mm. like, like any Joan Collins movie from the 80s. Like, she's full on, like, dynastying this shit. It's so fun. But she bursts in and is bitching about this this crap that uh, Stryker is making everyone go through. And that, you know, again, she's Audra. But then he gives her the mask, this this uh, hag mask, and asks her to make her ugly. She said, He says, make yourself ugly for us. 
Mm-hmm. She puts on the mask, and he's like, now seduce me. <laughs> it's, it's tough. And hey, there's a hole where the mouth is, so mm-hmm. she starts going to town. No. Uh, she tries to seduce him, and he's like all being so obtuse with his acting uh, directions for her that she, there's no way she can win. That's the thing about this scenario with this dickhead director is you can't win with him. Uh, but I wrote in my notes, now I'm horny because she had the mask on. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> later, uh, Patty tries to be goofy with Stryker, but he's a dick to her, and she lashes out at him, yelling at him like, putting him in his place rightfully so and he's like now that is more like audra and she's like haha this is working and i'm like ladies get out of there please i mean worse than being murdered would be having to work with striker on a movie Uh (laughs) then he's making the girls fool around like lesbian, uh, like like a lipstick lesbian from a Red Shoe Diaries episode or some shit. Mm. And I'm like, ugh, God, <laughs> could this get any worse? Uh, but the other girl we haven't talked about is uh, someone named Anne Ditchburn. And she plays, I think she plays Tara. No, she plays Lorian, who is not really developed as a character. She's the... Uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the dancer, which I didn't know she was a dancer until she started doing her little interpretive dance dealy. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I've never seen anything else this actress was in, but she's here. She's in the movie. It, she's in there. But he's like, touch her boob. No, do it like a man would do it. And I'm like, check, please. It gets a little weird. Yeah, boy. So someone is stalking um, Brooke in the bathroom, and she finds Christy's severed head in the toilet. Brad, what was going on with the heads in the toilets in slasher movies? I don't know, but it was a thing. It was a thing. (laughs) Like, A House on Sorority Row has one, I think, and then this movie, Uh and... Oh, no, the title... The one where the killer has the whole uh, motorcycle get up on with the big scythe light knife. The he's stalking the college kids. Yeah. Oh god. Uh. Hold on. Let me look at my shelves. Final exam. No, no. Um, night school. Night school. That's an American giallo. Totally. Totally. Let me tell you about night school, folks. That is a terrible title because as soon as I remember it, it's going to be gone again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, toilet bowl. You think you're a big problem? Not anymore. Don't be bullied by your bowl. Bully your bowl instead. Introducing Bully, the first automatic bowl cleaner that's 100% concentrated bleach cleaner. No blue dyes, just concentrated cleaning every time you flush. Take that. Bully keeps your bowl crystal clean and fresh smelling for over a month. No weekly brushing. Don't be bullied by your bowl. Bully your bowl instead. New Bully ends routine brushing. That's a bully bowl. When Stryker accompanies Brooke back because he doesn't believe her, uh, the toilet is indeed headless. There is no severed head in the toilet, but instead it's creepy water. Mm-hmm. What was in that toilet? It looked like suds or something like they just freshly cleaned it. 
which could explain where the blood went. But it was like, it was kind of nasty looking. Kind of was. And I need a clean toilet or I won't poop in it. No. I'll do it on the floor right next to it. I'm like, no. That's right. No, you clean this first. Why are you escorting me out of your home? Yeah, please. I want to stay. So Patty says, according to my notes, I wrote, Patty is like, bro, Brooke is Audra. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then the interpretive dancing begins with our our pal we mentioned earlier doing her dance. And she gets stabbed to death. And we're running Mm -hmm. out of ladies. So sad. This is when Brooke and Stryker are hooking up. Again, ladies, you don't have to have sex with a bag of food that's a mm-hmm. human bag. Mm-hmm. His fan club's going to be so mad at me. Yeah, you're going to get emails. <laughs> that's okay. I already got emails about complaining about Thomas Million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you texted me the other day and said, somebody, somebody's mad that I don't like Thomas Million. It was Million, Ian. And I'm like, like, I don't like him either. <laughs> Ian, mad props to you, sir, for, for enjoying the works of Thomas Million. I still can't explain what it is I don't like about him. I don't know. Just something. He just, he just, he just acts crazy in all his roles. <laughs> Which normally I appreciate. <laughs> well. Oh, boy. So, yes, thank you, Ian. don't yell at me, Ian. Yes, we want more. Please. I hope you're a John Vernon fan so you can get mad. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Brooke and uh, good old uh, uh, freaking bag of food are, are, are hooking up. And that's when a figure bursts into the room with a gun and mm-hmm. shoots them. And their bodies fall out of the window like a huge crash explosion of glass get stuck mm-hmm. on the windowsill and then their bodies swing down and crash through the first floor window. It is so crazy. Breaking the laws of physics. <laughs> Dude, it's so great. Lieta's like, what just happened here? <laughs> it, it was it was wild. So our pal Mitchie. Uh, who I, I'm calling her Mitchie because I cannot remember her character's name. Uh, she mm-hmm. she sees this whole uh, crashing bodies through the window thing, and she becomes our final girl and just makes a break for it to this garage mm-hmm. slash prop storage. Now, I forgot to mention, but um, at one point before this like killer gets their uh, their mojo on, Michael... Is that what his name was? Yeah, Michael Wincott. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's gone. He, yeah. The killer watches him get on a snowmobile and leave before going on their killing spree. Jets on out of there. Which I was hoping that there was going to be a jets, jet ski. <laughs> Hard to get through a jet ski in the snow. This mm-hmm. snowmobile or whatever is going to... I wanted him to get his head cut off mm-hmm. like while he's going too fast. You know, that'd be pretty neat. But that doesn't happen. That's fine. Anyway, she runs to this garage prop storage and we get the most beautiful freaking sequence, dude, that I completely forgot. I mean, I forgot so much about this film. And of course, the last time I watched this was on the crappy VHS rip. So I'm pretty sure that this was the Blu-ray debut of this movie for me. Oh, really? Which is insane considering how long I've owned this freaking Blu-ray. <laughs> 
But one of the reasons this movie is so beautiful is because a British cinematographer named Robert Painter, coincidentally, or simonicitally, mm-hmm. guess what he was a cinematographer on? What? Little Shop of Horrors. Well. My stupid ass bullshit from the beginning of this episode came true. It came true. A wish is a dream your heart makes. Yeah. He also shot uh, Trading Places, which I would pay good money never to sit through again. Really? I don't like it. I mean, it was fine once, but... Right? Nah. I'm not a huge fan, but... It's uh, good. You don't you don't see the tits till they go legit. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, he was the one who filmed her boobies. So, mm. uh, this guy shot a few films I've seen, like uh, Chato's Land and The Mechanic and mm-hmm. uh, Nightcomers, which... I swear I have seen the one with Marlon Brando that's a prequel to The Turn of the Screw. I swear I've seen it. What do I remember about it? Literally nothing. Wow. At all. I just know I've seen it. Um, He shot that remake of The Big Sleep. Um, Of course, he shot Curtains, an American werewolf in London. Come on. Oh, God. He shot Scream for Help. Woo. Man. I've not seen that one. There are movies that are cheesy, and then there's movies that are stinking up your shelves. Man, Scream for Help is crazy. I mean, I recommend it for the crazy factor. Got a download, dude. Give it a watch. You're not gonna believe it. It doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be. It says horror mystery thriller. It might as well say horror mystery thriller drama documentary. Uh, Jazzercise, freaking Jazzercise. What are other genre? Kids movie. It's definitely a coming of age movie, but also a murder mystery thing. And the soundtrack is completely unhinged. It's by John Paul Jones, the bass player. Oh, really? From Led Zeppelin. <laughs> And he must have been high as fuck. It has some of the weirdest music I've ever heard in a film. It's nuts. Woo. Wow. Yeah, dude. Scream for help. Oh, so so we got this chase scene through all these props and they got freaking mannequins hanging from the ceiling. They've got all kinds of like creepy masks everywhere. Then there's all these curtains. Speaking of curtains and lots of scarves and pretty things. And it gets all this, it gets labyrinthine, like it's like really crazy and long and weird. And uh, Lietta made the joke before I could. And uh, <laughs> she's like, uh, did she just go through the Black Lodge? Ooh. Folks, I made that joke quoting Lietta before Simon could make that joke. Yeah. He's probably making that joke right now to someone else because of Simonicity. Someone right now is listening to Tyler, I mean, to Simon, talk about Twin Peaks. Yep. Somebody somewhere, and God bless him. Uh, so she she hides from the killer after she almost kills the killer. She almost takes him out. But people, there's one thing that I complain about with slashers is keep hitting them. There's no Don't reason. Stop. Just keep going until their brains are on whatever uh, freaking blunt object you're beating them with never stop never stopping she tries to peel the mask off killer wakes up she has to run and she's hiding they do a great fake out 
She's hiding behind a grate, like a little air vent, and she's watching. She's watching. She's watching. Mm -hmm. Finally, when the coast is clear, she puts down the little grate and creeps out, but she can't get out of there because the killer's behind her and pulls her back in. And according to the subtitles, it said stabbing sounds, so she did... So we we lose our Mitchie. She's no longer the final girl. She's a failure girl. Failure girl. Oh, sad. But now there are two. In the kitchen, we have Patty busting open the bottle of champagne. <laughs> Samantha, wow. Samantha scares the living daylights out of her. And they start talking because you think, all right. Samantha's buddy the whole time was Patty. Patty was the one who sprung mm-hmm. her. They've been in this thing together, y'all. Uh, Samantha tells Patty about the asylum, which is weird because I thought Patty knew about the asylum. And then she tells her that she shot Stryker. She's like, I finally got him. It was kind of crazy, though. I didn't really mean to kill him. I just shot him and he fell through a window. And Patty mm-hmm. has a surprise for her. Patty's like... LOL, I killed everybody else. <laughs> this moment yeah. is so Demo. fun because it Samantha's so surprised. She had no idea. <laughs> like none. What did you think was happening, fuck nut? <laughs> fuck nut. I mean, obviously that's what's so fun about this movie is she didn't know what was real and what wasn't because freaking Stryker has been manipulating everyone for this whole movie. But I found it so funny when Patty pulls a knife on her and stabs her. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to Patty back in front of an audience telling jokes. But this time she looks a little uh, worse for wear and she's in a hospital gown. She's in an asylum telling her story to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And that ending kicks my ass, dude. Yeah. This movie. It's good. Whew, man. So, a little more trivs, a little more trivias about this thing. Um, mm-hmm. As we talked about, uh, Richard Chipka took his credits, uh, took his name off the credits of this movie and made it so that Jonathan Stryker is credited as the film's director. So, we got a nice uh, uh, meta thing there where the movie that we're watching might not be real at all. It could all be a, a figment of Jonathan Stryker's imagination. Could be. Lynn Griffin's uh, mother, uh, Kay Griffin, played one of the inmates in the asylum. Yeah, Kay Griffin, she did some acting. She was in a few little things. The movie I'm really interested in seeing that she did was called uh, Deadline, about a uh, a popular horror writer whose family life is falling apart, struggles to write his next horror movie. Hmm. And that's a... That's a- trope that's been used a time or three a time or three but this is from 80 something 80 81 so a little bit earlier Mm. yeah is that the one where you see him at the typewriter or whatever it's all bloody yep that's the one it's a vinegar syndrome brought that into the world uh that's one i remember from uh my duck is dead but i never i never grabbed it yeah me neither uh so the this movie was the shooting started in 1980 uh, but mm-hmm. the uh, production was a horrible bunch of problems, so it got uh, <laughs> shelved uh, with rewrites, reshoots, and recasting. And then the film, of course, was completed and released in 1983. Um, I didn't do a great job. 
But uh, I did try to, and I went through some Fangorias to see if I could find anything. Because once in a while, uh, in the early 80s, we've done a few episodes now where after we finished recording and after the episode is out, I'm reading through a Fangoria and I find a whole article dedicated to the movie we watched. And I'm like, ah, why didn't I break this out? Mm. So I tried to be better, but I don't think I, I have very sporadic coverage of Fangoria in the 80s. So Yeah, I mean, it It might have been in there, but it might not have. You never know. One of the things that surprises me is this didn't have a bunch of retitlings. Mm. Like, I, I was, I noticed that most of the other titles for this are the foreign titles of curtains translated into other languages, or uh, one of the titles, I think, in Spanish translated to, like, The Mask of Horror or something like that. Right. Someone named Celine Lomez was supposed to play Brooke. Uh, mm-hmm. But she got fired, and there was all these rumors. It was because she wouldn't do a nude scene. But it was actually, uh. it was actually that uh, she they just didn't think she was good enough for the role or whatever. Who knows what happened? Something. But she was in the Silent Partner, State Line Motel, a few other things. She's mm-hmm. in a movie called The Importance of Being Sexy. Wow. Well, we know about the importance <laughs> of that, dude. We wouldn't have a show if we didn't know about it. Uh, the climax was originally filmed to have Patty uh, performing her stand-up comedy to the bodies of the victims. Uh, but, oh, but, now see? Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been very fun. I like what we got, but that also reminds me of, you know, Happy Birthday to all Me, the, Madhouse. Yeah. Films. yeah. <laughs> Uh, apparently, apparently uh, Matthew, a.k.a. Uh, Michael Wincott, his death was supposed to be on screen while riding a snowmobile. And then he was going to crash through a big window. And that was the big crash through the window scene. But they decided to make it completely crazy by having Stryker and Brooks's bodies falling through instead. <laughs> Which, as Brad pointed out, is physically impossible. I did not get get it. It was weird. It was very weird. That's that's kind of thing. If you have to think about it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but Brad, all right. I think that's all the trivia. Do you have? Did you have any other uh, any trivs? Uh, my only real trivia about this film is that I discovered the first American release. My brother and I had gone somewhere, and I went to a Walmart, and I found an Echo Bridge horror film collection of some more than likely not very good movies, and Curtains. And I thought... I remember this. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is... It's American debut on disc. It had been on VHS, but it had never been on DVD. So we had downloads that were not so good um, VHS rips, so I bought it, this uh, DVD set, and it just it turned out to be an uncleaned up vhs rip <laughs> but it, it was the debut of curtains on disc of course they ended up releasing it on blu-ray i think really most slasher fans will recall the the skating scene with the uh the horrible hag mask leslie donaldson uh i'm a big fan it breaks my heart that she is the first to go and happy birthday to me because i would have loved to have seen her more just a real a real cutie pie. Uh, I like her a lot. And uh, we are going to do, hopefully, Funeral Home at some time, mm-hmm. some point. That one also does not have um, a Blu-ray release. Languishing. 
most people, somebody, see, I've been trying to remember, somebody on, somebody watched it on Facebook, like, a couple years ago, and I said, do I need to see this again, or is it as dull as I remember it, and whoever it was, it might have been Jeff Barton, I can't remember, said, no, it's, it, it's no, it's no count, mm. but I would, I would definitely watch it and, and yeah. discuss it with you, because that, I think that would be a lot of fun. Hey. My tastes uh, have changed, you know. I know. I'm sure your yeah, tastes have changed yeah, too. So absolutely. And now that we're getting on towards the so-called bottom of the barrel for you know slasher films being released on on Blu-ray, it's possible. I think it could happen. Totally. I think it's also. I think it's on Prime. I think. So I don't know if that one would be cleaned up in any way, or if it would just be. You know, the same old VHS rip. Samantha Egger, as we discussed uh, from um, our very first episode, the, the Dead or Alive, uh, the Etruscan Tomb film. Yeah. Um, Richard Vernon, while I, I don't think he's as ugly as you do, uh, he, did have a, he did have a wonderful speaking voice. Uh, I've always kind of equated him with David Ogden Steers, who was Ooh. on uh, M.A.S.H., yeah, yeah. And ended up, uh, he's passed away, sadly, but I've always thought he had a really nice speaking voice as well. He showed up on, uh, I don't know if you ever saw The Dead Zone, the TV series with uh, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall. It was actually quite good. I heard. Uh, he played uh, a minister on the show that was always trying to uh, befriend Anthony Michael Hall's character, uh, but... No, I just don't really have a lot to say about Curtains, really. Uh, I like it. I was glad to get it on Blu-ray when it came out. Uh, it is definitely like three or four subplots sewn together <laughs> after a, a, an amount of time. It doesn't bother me at all. It kind of makes for an interesting watch that way. Uh, I told Elizabeth, I'm like, I really, it's like, it's like an adult psychological thriller married to a slasher film that final chase in the whatever that was i i'm still not sure it's all set up it's got audra's name on a like a tombstone or a sign inside of it so cool uh that it, that's pretty good um i like it but i just, i don't have a lot uh really of trivia yeah about it there is a documentary that's like 35 minutes on the disc and there's also a commentary and I did not partake of either. I kind of skimmed through the, sure. uh, the stuff because I'm, I'm so bad. I'm getting worse and worse with the extras now. Like I appreciate them, but uh, man. What Elizabeth and I have talked about doing is having a commentary weekend where we just listen to Some, commentaries yes. from like Kat Ellinger and Sam Deegan and not certain other people that uh, litter the discs. But yes, we know who I speak of. Uh, <laughs> but yes, we're having like a commentary weekend and just listening to a bunch of commentaries. Steve Haberman. Uh, David DelVal, uh, yeah, really interesting folks like that. And I think that would be something yeah, fun, absolutely. Because the issue with commentary, like I, I've always really enjoyed Tim Lucas's and can listen to those anytime. But when you get a Blu-ray, you want to watch the film, so you watch yeah. the film, and then by the time you watch the Blu-ray again, you're 
probably ready to watch the film again and you're not going to listen to the commentary. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I get it. It's important work. Uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from commentaries. It's just, I think that if you could set aside some time just to listen to some commentaries, I think that that would probably be the best way to go about it. Yeah. No, I like that idea. That's great. Yeah. I would do uh, some, some Tim Lucas and some freaking uh, Rachel Nisbet. And the Rachel some, Nisbet. Very nice. Yeah. Some other people. Yeah. And lots of, uh, lots of the ladies. Oh man. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's really good that we've had, uh, had some of the ladies. I mean, I'm certainly not against it, and it makes sense because my wife is a huge horror film fan. Yeah. I love, I love to hear her opinions on things, dude. Like, you know, certainly, I, I one of the things that, about me is I have trouble with like critically analyzing things. I that's one of the reasons why I stopped going to college is because I love the stories. I love reading. I love watching movies. I have like one one billionth the critical perspective that a lot of my heroes like Kat Ellinger and, and Rachel Nisbet and like Tim Lucas, of course, these people have this, this ability to analyze things in a way that I just don't see. And I don't have it either. I love listening to it. I love it. I mean, just, this is going to be out on a limb here. I love, was it room two, three, seven, the movie mm -hmm. where they overanalyze The Shining completely. Absolutely. And I did. love it because I love the idea of interpreting a piece of art in a billion different ways. Mm -hmm. I had a professor in college whose opening thing was talking about Moby Dick and how it was this great homosexual novel. And everyone looked at each other like, do, do what? And then he started citing from the text the things that at the time didn't sound gay, <laughs> but right. because of, you know, gay literature and, and it's like, uh, like LGBTQ things being more prominent and uh, media and of course, double entendres and, and sexy jokes and like com comedians doing dirty humor, Moby Dick even has the word dick in the title. And he just read all these examples and we were dying. We were losing it. And then he puts down Moby Dick and goes, all right, I just wanted to see if any of you would get up and leave. Cause, uh, you know, it's the first class you can drop ad really easily. And I usually lose a lot of, uh, like old timers in my night classes when I start talking about how Moby Dick's a gay book. And thank you guys for staying. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. I love him. But uh, anyway, I really love Curtains. I'm so glad I picked it. Um, I was a little worried when I picked it because you said, you, you know, you weren't like giving me an edict or anything, but, but you said, yeah, pick something you're, you're familiar with. We'll do it. And I just went on a limb and said, I want to watch Curtains, though. And this is a banger, man. This movie, aside from some logic issues, which never is a problem on this show. Um, never. My only problem is... Uh, yeah, Michael, the the Michael Wincott uh, not getting beheaded on a freaking snowmobile, uh, mm -hmm. and that sequence with the one actress who's got her creepy boyfriend uh, pretending to rape her. That sequence, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good fake out, but cut it because I don't know if it's super responsible to be like, <laughs> you see, guys, girls do like it, and I'm like, don't put that in a movie, please. 
Please don't put that in a movie. <laughs> and hey, ladies, if you're out there, if you have a fantasy like that and your partner and you have written it out on paper and you've signed agreements so none of you go to jail over it, awesome. But I really don't like the idea of this rape fantasy in this movie. It's not good. Uh, but yeah, this movie is so good. Everyone, the whole cast is awesome. I love everybody. Although some people don't get a lot of screen time to kind of establish their characters. Everyone who does get time is excellent. The cast blows my mind. Claustrophobic, you know, remote location stuff is good. It's a beautifully shot film. The Zaza score is great. And mm -hmm. trust no one and believe nothing because everything's a movie or a dream or a play or just outright lies. Booyah. That's true. That's it. That's it. We, we closed the curtains on curtains, y'all. We did. That was something neat, uh, mm. the way mm. they used curtains. Yes. They make great use of them in the trailer, too. The trailer is all the curtains. But, yeah, the, the nice. movie closes the curtains on curtains and opens with curtains. There you go. So, Brad, I heard a rumor that you have a segment, <clears throat> a new segment you want to talk about. I have a new segment called Message to Chris Workman. <laughs> and the, my message to Chris Workman is, Chris, why won't you listen to the show? Folks. We've been here for a decade. <laughs> we, have a we have a mutual friend named Chris Workman who I thought vaguely we knew through the podcast, but apparently we know him through uh, his writing, which is excellent writing. Uh, but excellent. Uh, yeah, so he's never heard the show or he just tried us once and said, oh, no, thank you. No, he actually, he's like, you know what? I'm going to listen. I've never listened to a podcast, so I'm going to listen to yours. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Don't do that. Listen to something else. He will never hear another podcast again. <laughs> no, he's like, yeah, I tried it. That poor man. Uh, that poor guy. This yeah. this is the one to start with, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, Home Improvement exactly. Season 7. <laughs> yeah, but we've recorded, uh, we recorded a couple of weeks uh, in a row. Man, and killing it. We're going to continue to continue to do that. This is, this is the year of, uh, of Brad on the show. Oh, I yes. say that every year, but we're doing it. We're doing this. It's happening. Man, did you, did you have uh, another little segment you've been dropping on us lately? I do real talk with Brad, but all my notes are on my other phone. Oh, I meant the double features. Oh, double features. Yeah, let's do one right quick. Let me think. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go peek at my shelves. Let me, let's me let see. Okay, do that. All right, I got it. I'm in a room with no Blu-rays, so I, I was able to come see, up you're, with one. You're, you're not cheating like I am. All right, so. Mm, no, it's not cheating at all. All right, I, am, I got one if you got one. Okay. So, double features would be two movies that I think would go together. Uh, this happens to be two films that were written by the same person. So, that Ooh. would be And Soon the Darkness, written by Brian Clemens, the master of the thriller. Right. It was directed by Robert Fuest, who also directed uh, the Dr. Fibes films. It is a thriller about two British nurses on a cycling holiday, and mm. they don't speak French. They're in rural France, and they don't speak French. So that leads to, obviously, a communication problem between the two. And the other film, 
I know as See No Evil, which was also written by Brian Clemens, and it is a film with Mia Farrow, who is a recently blinded woman who is stalked by a psychopath, and so she has got the problem of, obviously, a vision, being able to see what's going on. See No Evil would play on USA when I was a kid, and I would watch it, and I thought it was just a great thriller, and then in Soon the Darkness is one that I did not see till I was an adult, it just so happens to be uh, uh, one of Elizabeth's favorite films, but both wow. deal with some sort of communications problem, either that be language or vision. Two very, very good thrillers, and I think would make a great double feature. I'm just, just trying to think of a movie. Okay, I got this. You're going to love this. <laughs> Lay it on me. So, so all right. You picked a, you picked see no evil right, mm-hmm. and then you picked freaking uh, and soon the darkness, which could be called mm-hmm. speak no evil because they don't speak French. Very true. And then you could watch Hush, which is hear no evil. Ah, yeah. There's also another. Uh, I want to say '90s or early 2000s slasher with a deaf lead character. But it's been too many years since I've seen it, and I can't recall. Uh, Jennifer Eight could fit in there. Ooh, yeah, Jennifer Eight. That's nice. Andy Garcia, yeah. and I believe it's Uma Thurman. Always liked that one. What's happening? You're going to bed. I've been falling asleep for the last hour. <laughs> you mean you don't listen to us talk, and and every word we say is gold? You're just so soothing. Oh, thank you. Lietta's going to bed. Oh, good night, Lietta. Good night. Do you want to wake up with me tomorrow? I mean, you want to just be my wife tomorrow still? <laughs> she, hey, she, she's been going with that for a while, so she'll probably stick with it. Folks, I'm still married tomorrow, according to my wife. This is good. This is, this is great news. Uh, so, yeah, my double feature, I, I just cheaped out. I didn't have anything half as clever as what you got. Well, thank you. I just looked at my shelves and was like, that's a slasher. That's a slasher. That would be a hey, weird pairing of slashers. <laughs> it's whatever we want to do. I just think it'd be That's neat. True. So I, I picked two movies that, um, you know, obviously, you know, one is formulaic and then goes off the rails. And, and the other one is off the rails and maybe never is formulaic. So <laughs> <laughs> I picked Intruder, which is Ooh. a uh, supermarket slasher. That uh, might be a little too long. I remember being really impatient with it the first time, and I suspect Mm -hmm. that I will not have any problems with it now, which is good because I bought the Blu-ray. But take that supermarket slasher and pair it with a hotel slasher called Mountaintop Motel Massacre. Ooh, yeah. Which is (laughs) uh, completely crazy. It is a crazy yeah, it is. movie, so <laughs> it really is. Um, I, I think that was, that'd be a fine pairing, a fine pairing. I agree. Um, I have a a bonus double feature, but I'm gonna write it down and save it for next time. I'm not gonna. Heck yeah! I, I, I'm really, I'm really proud of my other double feature, but I wanted to go with this one first because uh, it's yeah. pretty fun. I bought Mountaintop Motel Massacre on the Blu-ray as well. Yeah, I need to upgrade that because that I still have the old, I think it's an old Anchor Bay disc. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had that forever and never watched it. And somebody's review somewhere was like, 
I can't remember if they said it was a waste of time, and that made me buy it, like, just out of spite, because I ended up really enjoying it and going, that review is so wrong, this is great. Yeah, no, that's a really, it's a really fun movie. It's, uh, we watched uh, a download, terrible download, and I was like, this is good. Yeah. So we ended up picking up the, uh, I believe it was, it was Vinegar Syndrome, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of these days I'll, I'll uh, swing by there and pick that up. I uh, I went on a bit of a movie binging binge, people. In my defense, <laughs> I sold piles of movies to pay for this binge. Piles. Like, it is scary. I, I've overdone it, but I I did, you know, clear out space. So, folks, this is not me showing off, but I want to talk about, I want to show off because it's my show. It's our show. Please. Brad is here. So it's our show. So let me just, let me just get my, uh, let me get my, my, my shopping sites up here. And folks, I've been trying to stick it to Amazon. Uh, I like, I like to, uh, to look at their convenience and go, oh, that's nice. I'm going somewhere else, sucka. But I, I found this this used seller or or rebated movies seller on Amazon. is very excited. Picked up Tower of Evil. Love it. And The Antichrist. Okay. 30 bucks for both of those. That includes shipping. Not bad at all. Brand new. I'm excited. Then I went to eBay where I went a little crazy. So here we go. <clears throat> School of Death, Nemesis, Howling 3, The Brain, House of the Long Shadows, American Gothic, After Midnight, Love at First Bite with Once Bitten, Nightmares, Deep Blood, Witch Trap, April Fool's Day, Fangs of the Living Dead, and Crucible of Horror. Wow. <sighs> yeah, I, I went a little overboard, folks. But I, I seriously, seriously am going to watch these. Maybe not before I die, but I'm going to watch them. That's it. That was amazing. Thank you. That's all I got. I probably I probably shouldn't talk about all the stuff I bought, but I really paid for it with getting rid of I I weeded. I took movies I've been collecting for years and got them out of the house cuz I didn't like them anymore. Yeah, you did. I had 87 copies of Animal House to sell. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god. They were bootlegs. I have the uh the I had the number one collection of Animal House bootlegs on the planet. You really did. Plus I forgot that Fangs of the Living Dead got a blue. That's that's important. I mean You know, let me know about that. I saw I've got that on uh some cheapo set. Yeah. But if it's worth uh, a purchase, let me know. Do. I would. Armando Diasorio bringing it. Mm-hmm. April Fool's Day is probably my the most important there. I am a fiend for April Fool's Day. That is just one of my Good. intro to slashers when I was a kid. And then I found out that um, people hated it because it's the fake out movie. Yeah. And I'm like, but Amy Steele? Come on, people. Yeah. Whatever. Folks, thank you for listening to this rambling, insane episode. Brad, thank you for... Uh, enabling me to ramble and I hope you enjoyed it being here. I enjoyed every single dadgum minute yeah. of it. Yeah! Goodbye, folks. Good evening. God bless you.
Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Please check out the other podcasts on legionpodcasts.com. If you'd like more Hello, This is the Doom Show, go to hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or go to doomedmoviethon.com for the archives. If that's still not enough, go to at doomedmoviethon on Twitter. You can write in to Hello, This is the Doom Show. Use the email doomedmoviethon at gmail.com. Doom Show episodes are available on record and 8-track cassette.